It's such a privilege and an honor to be able to spend some time with all of you today. We've been on a journey together for weeks and weeks as we have completed a quite ambitious sermon series in two major parts. We began discussing and examining the story found in the book of Exodus where God raises up Moses to deliver his people out of slavery and bondage to the nation of Egypt and miraculously God delivers his people and all along his purpose for delivering them was to lead his people into a promised land and the promise of a place goes all the way back to a man named Abraham and So God was endeavoring to keep his word and to fulfill his promise. The people who were the first generation to leave Egypt, they were deeply hardened in their hearts. And we don't condemn them or blame them over it. After all, slavery is all they had ever known. But it's uh, interesting for us and it's enlightening for us to examine and to consider You can take people out of slavery, but sometimes you have a hard time taking slavery out of them. And those people were unfortunately unable to rise to the challenge that was living out God's promise. And God was forced. It was not his first choice, but he was forced to wait on a new generation to arise. And that's when we transitioned into from pyramids and people to people and promises because I know this and I believe this and I believe this is clear in the scripture that God has a promise over every single person alive's life promise comes in two parts the promise that Jesus came and demonstrated that we have access and relationship to an eternal God and part number two of that promise is that we have a purpose with him that we co-labor and work together to redeem creation and to redeem our brothers and sisters. And so uh, we find ourselves examining the story of Joshua and what preachers and people of God commonly call the Joshua generation, a generation that watched their parents die, not having, not possessing all that God had promised. And they said to themselves, I will not fail where mom and dad failed. I will trust God where they failed to trust God. I will believe in God no matter the odds. I will stick to my faith and I will cling to the word and promises of God no matter what is going on around me. And so last week we examined the first battle of Jericho that the people fought and what a magnificent victory it was. That was the first and most significant battle that the people had to fight to possess their land, to possess their promise. And the story was not perfect in that there were instances where the people of Israel experienced defeat. There was loss. There were casualties. Mistakes were made. But when the dust settled, 
Joshua and Caleb, the two most prominent commanders of that army, were still alive. And God kept his word. The people of Israel conquered every enemy that they faced. Every piece of land that, the, that God had promised them, they in fact inhabited it. God's promise when they first left Egypt was that you will reap a harvest from fields that you didn't sow. And you'll have wine from vineyards that you didn't tend. You'll live in houses that you didn't have to build and you will inhabit cities that you didn't have to build. And for a people who were living in tents and living on stolen goods from an old empire, that seemed like a mighty big promise. And so I'm gonna go ahead and start preaching right here, but God kept his promise Every word came to pass. Every word. And the years go by and the people settle in and there's peace and prosperity. The people of Israel are satisfied in that they are living in everything that God told them they could have. Now, if I might make a couple of quick points. God Almighty, who is eternal, created this promise for his people. And it was that they could live in peace and be farmers. Now I'm going to let that sink in. God's perfect promise for his people was that they could live in peace and be farmers. I come to let somebody know that there's not a universe in God's creation where you get to escape hard work. There's not a universe where something is not required from you. Anyone who hopes to eat corn has to be willing to work a plow. I don't know about you, but I love a roasted leg of lamb. But if you're going to enjoy that, you have to be willing to do more than run down to Sam's Club. Back in those days, there was no Sam's Club. And so if a man wanted to host parties and feed his family and watch his children grow up healthy because there's plenty to eat, then he had to be willing to tend the sheep. There's always something required. So the years go by, their commander and their general Joshua is about to pass away. And so he's still the de facto leader of Israel, and he puts out the word. I want to speak to commanders, captains, judges, mayors, governors, whatever title you may have. He said, I want to see the leaders, and I want to speak to the people. So I encourage everyone this week, if you have time, there's a couple of chapters. It uh, begins in chapter 23. The heading in your Bible will probably say Joshua's Farewell Address, where he speaks to some of the leadership of the nation of Israel, and he kind of sets the record straight. He makes sure that everyone is on the same page before he transitions his life. And then in chapter 24, he turns and he addresses the people. And I find it so interesting that his forerunner, his uh, mentor, his, we would say today, something like his pastor or a spiritual father, Moses, 
was able to do the same thing before he departed and left the people. He gave a final address, really a sermon to the people. And Joshua followed in Moses' footsteps in chapter 24. And I encourage you to take time and read these two chapters together. When you read them, there's, it's so poetic and it's so beautiful when the people are able to acknowledge and their leader acknowledges God has kept his word to us. Uh, but for the sake of time, I'm going to summarize and just read you a short passage. This comes from Joshua chapter 24. I'm going to start in verse 13. Joshua chapter 24, verse 13. And it says this. So this is Joshua speaking to the people, but he's speaking in God's place. So he's speaking in first person as if he were God to the people to remind them of a very important fact. Starting in verse 13 says this, I have given you a land for which you did not labor, cities which you did not build, and you dwell in them. You eat of the vineyards and the olive groves which you did not plant. And then Joshua transitions, and now he's speaking as Joshua in verse 14. Now, therefore, people, fear the Lord. Serve him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems, it seems evil to you to serve the Lord... Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you find yourself dwelling. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If you don't mind, could I pray just briefly? Lord, we open our hearts to your word. Lord, we're hungry for you to lead us and to teach us. Lord, by choice, I choose to lay down my way of thinking. I choose to lay down man's wisdom and rationale. Lord, I want to live according to eternal wisdom, your wisdom, the wisdom of your scriptures. Holy Spirit, I ask that you cause the word to come alive today. I ask that you use me as an instrument, as a mouthpiece. And Lord, I put my trust and my hope in you and in your word that you will do what you always do and that you'll cause men and women's lives to be changed. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Just a couple of quick points and we'll go home to rest. All through chapter 23 and 24, Joshua recounts in detail to the people of how God has been faithful. And at every turn, every circumstance, every battle, God made a way even when there didn't seem to be one. One of the most prominent examples, as we discussed last week, is the Battle of Jericho. Thick walls, so, so tall and so wide that they had chariot races around the wall. 
impressive military feat. And all the people had to do was march around the city. All they had to do was obey and follow God's command. And for six days they walked a lap, and on the seventh day they walked seven laps. At the end of the seventh lap, the police blew the ram's horn, and all the people had to do was shout with a mighty shout. And sometimes when I imagine what that would have been like, I wished I could have been there. I wonder what would have felt like to have been an inhabitant of Jericho that day watching from top the wall. And I would be talking smack, I don't know about y'all, jeering and making fun of the people walking around my walls. And then all of a sudden they holler real loud. And being from the hills, I'd have said something real country like, what are y'all hollering for? It's all fun and games until all of a sudden you hear a splitting of stone and the breaking of mortar. And all of a sudden you start to feel the wall shaking under your feet. And you hear Elvis saying, there's a whole lot of shaking going on, mama. And then the panic that would have ensued when you realize that Israel's God, Jehovah, is more powerful than my wall. That's good preaching right there. I like that. They go from battle to battle, victory to victory, suffering some defeats along the way. There's another very notable battle where the nation was in pitched head-to-head warfare. It was a battle of attrition where the only objective and strategy of the day was to kill more of them faster than they can kill us. That kind of fighting is not for the faint of heart. How many know that there's sometimes when you're believing God for a promise, you have to become tenacious? Okay. Let me try over here. Sometimes when you're believing God for a promise, you have to be tenacious. And here's what tenacious looks like. It doesn't matter if the man beside me stumbles and trips. I'm not going to pick up my sword and shield and go home. And it doesn't matter when I see brothers and sisters fall in the fight. I'm going to keep going. And I'm going to keep standing. And it doesn't matter that I'm hungry or that I'm thirsty or that I'm tired. It doesn't matter that my bones are aching and that my throat is burning. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep holding up my shield to protect the man on my left. And I'm going to keep swinging my sword because I know that this land that I'm fighting for is mine. The guy on the other end of the sword just hadn't learned yet. It's awfully prideful of us to imagine that we would have God's best and it requires nothing from us. God does his part when he gives us his promise. And we give him our part when we say, yes, Lord, whatever is required, I will give it. We have a great example to follow Because there was a promise that was made to Abraham that said, Through you, Abraham, all the nations of the world will be blessed. And Abraham could not have comprehended, and it's difficult even for us today when we know what the fruition of that promise was. And that the blessing of nations through Abraham was not money. 
It was not security and it was not stability in and of itself. The blessing of the nations was a man named Jesus who he came by himself and he fought and he waged a war on our true enemy, not on people of a different race, not on people of a different political persuasion. He didn't wage war on the people who were sinful. He came to wage war on sin and death a force from eternity that operates from a world that we can't see with our natural eye. He came to overcome our real enemy because the scripture says that our war is not against flesh and blood. So I come to tell somebody today that your real enemies are not the people sitting on the seat beside you. It's not the people that you're married to. It's not the people on the other side of town. It's not the people that belong to a different political political party. It's not the people who uh, make different kinds of commentary on Facebook. Those people are not your enemies. The enemies of this world are not against that group or this group. They're against all of humanity. And our master went before us to fight a battle we couldn't win on our own. And he delivered the victory into our hand. But guess what? Even in this miraculous victory, something is still required of us. We live in an age where Christ's victory over sin and death is guaranteed and assured. And every day we are called to live a life where sometimes it's big and sometimes it's little, but every day we see a little more proof that his victory was true. And so we live in an age and a time where two things are alive at once. Death ruled the world all through the Old Testament. We'll say more about that in a moment. But the moment that Jesus walked out of the grave, death was dead. I believe it was, the, I believe it was Maya Angelou wrote a poem that said, death one day, I'm paraphrasing her because I can't quote it as nice as she wrote it, but she says, death one day, you will be your own enemy. In other words, even death will have to die. That's good preaching right there. I like that. And so there's a tree called death that is dead and dying. You can kill a tree at the root and you know that it is as good as dead. But it takes time for the limbs and the leaves to start to show that the tree is dead. Meanwhile, there is a new tree that is alive and living and that is the tree of life. That tree is a person named Jesus because he is the source of all life. And so we live in a world and we live in a universe that was condemned and dying and now it has been restored and resurrected and redeemed and it is causing to live again. Not trying to get back to something. We're not trying to recreate a garden. We're building a new garden, a new creation. Behold, all things have passed away and all things have become new. And so we live in a world where on the inside of us, we have the life of Christ. We have every hope and every ambition that we too can live in a true peace that is lasting and that we can live in prosperity that never ends. Not just prosperity for our bellies and prosperity for our pocket, but prosperity for our soul. 
And we live and we experience this in little bits at a time. Meanwhile, we have to live in a world that is still grappling with the old way. And so we live in a time where two things are alive at once. And so we are still left contending, standing in faith, telling a story that has power. And as we tell that story and as we live out that story, we are living epistles. We are vessels that carry this new life. And as we live out this life in our marriages and our relationships with our children and our, the way we conduct ourselves at work and the way we conduct our soul behind closed doors when no one's watching. As we do these things, as we live this life, new creation is made manifest. It's the in-between that wears us down. It's the in-between where we get lost. Our enemy specializes in deception. What's deception? What does a magician do? They show you one thing while they're doing another. And so what does your enemy do? Look at how bad the world is. And he's figured out how to make money on it. It's called news media. And you can feed on that thing 24-7 about how nasty and how terrible the world is. But you want to know something that Fox News or any other news network probably doesn't take time to cover? It's people that are miraculously healed. People that got the all clear from their cancer diagnosis this morning. What they're not reporting is a husband looking, in, looking their wife in the eye and saying, baby, I'm sorry, I love you. Choosing love instead of separation. It doesn't tell the story of people that they switched their devices off and decided to take their children to the house of the Lord together and that they, the little baby saw mom and dad lift their hands in worship. That is good preaching right there. I, I'm not going to holler and scream today, so if you keep waiting for that, you're going to be waiting. I'm just going to preach. I'm not going to work hard on my birthday, y'all. Today is celebrating God's goodness. Listen, I, Chuck Norris gave me a birthday shout-out. As far as I'm concerned, I've arrived, okay? I ain't got nothing to prove, y'all, okay? Hey, Chuck Norris ain't never called you said happy birthday. I want to give you a couple of keys to help you find and live out God's promise while we live in a time of in-between because that is the age in which we all live. And I want to draw from Joshua's example. The first thing that Joshua does is he testifies. He tells the story of what God has done. And so I like to, call, I like to think of testimony this way, that it is a holy memory of what God has done. You know, of all the memories that you've got bouncing around in your brain, I would bet that at least half of them are terrible because life is life. I've been a pastor a short while, but I've worked in God's house a long, my whole life, been raised in this. It, it chose me before I chose it, I think. And here's something that I have seen in my years of being a part of God's house is that people are evil and wicked and nasty 
And one of the great horrors of our brokenness is that we usually hurt the people who love us the most, the worst. It is astounding to me. It's almost like you can bet money. And so here's what I'm saying for all of us. We've been hurt. We've been abandoned. We've been abused, neglected. Ain't nobody telling the truth over there. Let me try over here. We've been abused. We've been hurt. We've been abandoned. We've been neglected at every turn. And guess what? There are fingerprints. There are thumbprints. There are residue of that trauma, and it lives in your brain and in your soul. But something that we have to be aware of is that there are also other memories that are alive on the inside of us. And just like you can hear a song from the old days and feelings for an old girlfriend will just reach up out of nowhere and grab a hold of you. Or, you know, there's those songs that was playing the first time you and Sweet Cheeks shared a little smooch. And guess what? You'll hear that song and all the emotion will rush back. Why? Because there's a memory that testifies about where you were and what happened. I need somebody this morning as believers to say this. It's one thing to get your promise. It's another thing to keep it. A really good way for you to stay in God's promises is to testify. Can't get no help over there. May try over here. I'm just, I'm just hunting for some help this morning. A good way for you to stay in God's promises is for you to testify. Now, it is unfortunate that in many ways through our experiences in church, we've turned testimony and the act of testifying into a cliche. And we've even turned it into the butt of jokes at, from time to time. And while, don't get me wrong, there's lots of reasons to laugh Lots of reasons to laugh about testifying in the church. And I don't believe that God is put off by that. I don't believe that he, he slips and stumbles on his throne because we have a good laugh over Sister Sheila's testimony about how she got her money back at Payless Shoes, right? I don't think that that bothers God. But I do believe that there is something deeper and something that we tend to overlook about the power of testimony. Testimony is the telling of a story. It's the recounting a holy memory of when an eternal God who was and is and is to come breached the veil of time and space and he worked in my life. He worked in your life. There's a time when the, the dew drops of heaven fell into our life, when the whisperings of the Holy Spirit became manifest within me. There was a time when I didn't have hope, but God showed up and all of a sudden hope stirred up within me. There was a day when I didn't think that I could carry on any further and I stood on the precipice, but God came and he, he breathed a fresh new will to live on the inside of me. And when I thought it was over, come to find out it's just a new beginning. There was times when I thought my marriage was dead and dying, but God comes along in compassion and in mercy and in forgiveness, and he gives me a whole new marriage that burns red hot. It buzzes neon pink because God is a God of love. There's a child that I thought that I had lost to the enemy, but God moved in ways that I can't even explain, and I look around, and their hands are raised, 
raised and the praise of God is in their lips. Come on, somebody. There was a time when I was counting how many pinto bean cans I had in the pantry. I was going out to the propane tank to figure out, do I have enough propane to heat my house through the cold spell? There was a time when I didn't have enough but God is good and he's good all the time because he's a God of prosperity that out of the midst of a barren desert, he causes new life to spring forth. And guess what? Now I'm not counting beans no more. Now I'm not having to check to see how much propane I got anymore. There was time I had to shine them boots, the only pair I had. Now I go, which boots do I want to wear today? Because God is a God of more than enough. There was a time when the doctors told me that you shouldn't be in crowds and you shouldn't preach anymore. There's a condition in your lungs. We, we don't understand. We can't explain it. And in just a little while, Same doctor looks at an x-ray and says, uh, uh, uh. When, the, when the doctor starts looking down the hall for the nurse, that's when you know God's up to something. I love doctors, but them boy, they know just about everything. And it's, uh, what? Mm, uh, is it? Can I? Is this the right? Because what was there ain't there no more. I need somebody to help me testify. Is there anybody you've been healed before that God healed you and he touched your body? And could you mind just, you ain't even got to shout or you can if you want to. You just wave at me today and say, hey, there's a God that he heals. He takes what's broken and he puts it back together. He does things that will confound the wise. I love it when people, they got 14 diplomas and they're going, I, 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 I love it so much. Oh, I love it so much. The scripture says he uses simple things to confound the wise. There's great power in testimony. And I'm going to tell you why. It's not just the emotional response that we experience when we recount what God has done. Here is why testimony is powerful. is because anytime God speaks or moves, he does so from eternity. He's not bound or constrained by time. God don't get in a hurry. He doesn't move for time. Time moves for him. Case in point, the people are in pitched warfare, and Joshua says, we can win the battle, but we're running out of daylight. And this old boy is so brave and so bold... He like points at the sun and he commands the sun and the moon to be still. And I know you think you're full of faith, but I guarantee something you ain't never tried. And that is you hadn't never pointed at the sun and said, you hold still just a minute. I still got more killing to do. That's such good preaching right there. I wonder, is there anybody you ever believed in, in a promise so deeply have you ever known it in your toenails that you're looking around and you're saying everything going on around me 
is trying to steal this promise, but I know that God wants me to have this. And you get the courage and but the boldness and courage on the inside of you to point at the sun and tell the sun to stand still. And here's the big news. It did. <laughs> it did. I come to remind the gate church of something today. God's realm doesn't bend for this realm. Our job and our purpose is to bend this realm to fit his realm. You have to be a very prideful person to look at an eternal God who he made time. He created it and he gave it to us as a gift to look at him and tell him, if you could hurry, that would be nice. That's called vanity. To look at an eternal God and tell him to hurry. You ever think about that? Food for thought. God moves and he speaks from eternity. But when I testify, I am taking his breaching of time and space in the past and I'm bringing it into the right now. Here's how I know that that works. He's the God who was and is and is to come. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Here's what that means. Is that if he moved once back over here, if he caused the walls of Jericho to fall here, He'll cause the sun to stand still over here because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Testimony is a holy act of faith and praise at the same time. You're praising him for what he has done and you're declaring by faith that if he did it back there, he'll do it again. If he did it back there, he'll do it again. A few of you are starting to feel what I'm putting down. If he did it back there, he'll do it again. And guess what? If I'm in the middle of him doing it right now, guess what? He'll do it again in the future. That means that I don't have to be afraid and paranoid and scared that this might be the last good thing I ever get from God because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so when Joshua goes out of his way to say, he brought your mom and daddy out of Egypt and he fed them and he clothed them and he gave them water to drink out of a rock. He got you across the Jordan. He caused the walls of Jericho to fall. He caused the sun to stand still so we could keep defeating our enemies. Joshua is proclaiming the same God who has been with us back here. He is with us today and he's going to keep being with us in our future. I wish there was somebody in here with me today that would help me testify by faith that the same God who saved me, the same God who called my name, the same God who gave me my life and he gave me a body to live in, the same God who put money in my pocket and food in my pantry, he's doing the same thing today even when I can't see it. Sometimes you got to wake up in the morning and say, I'm blessed today, even though I don't feel like it. How do I know? Because he blessed me back over here, so I'm blessed today. 
How do I know I'm healed today? I feel so bad. I'm running a fever and I'm sweating. But guess what? God healed me back over here. So guess what? I'm healed today, baby. I'm healed today, baby. And so guess what? The same God who gave me a promise back there got me to right here. I can... Now then, as I mentioned earlier, it's one thing to obtain a promise and another thing to keep it. And so if you continue reading in chapter 24, you'll see three instances where Joshua challenges the people to enter into covenant with God. And so there's an Old Testament word for that called consecration. And so it's to make firm, to make solid, like concrete. Make your commitment to God solid. Let me let you, let me let you in on a little secret. Any covenant worthwhile is never between two. It's between three. Not between two, it's between three. You say, well, I had a covenant with my wife. Yes, you did. You and your wife made a covenant together with who else? Before God that said, in sickness and in health, for richer or poor, better or worse. Guess what? Human beings can't keep that covenant. But with God in the middle, they can. Because here's what you're saying when you come to the altar before God is you're saying this, that I'm going to stick with you no matter what, and God's going to help me. And so here's what husband and wife would do well to do is go home and look in the mirror and say, God's going to help you to love her today. And then you go fulfill your covenant, right? And so the people do this. So there's Joshua, the people, and God. And so this is amazing. Joshua puts it to the people, and three different times they say, Yes, we will. Yes, we will serve the Lord. Yes, we will serve the Lord. I'm reminded of another guy who he swore a covenant to Jesus. Jesus, I'm covenanted and consecrated to you. I will never leave you. I will go up on the cross with you. And his name was Peter. And he talked a good game, but then what? In just a few hours, he broke his covenant. Don't you know that Peter was just playing out an age-old story? And so these people, they swore, they swore, they swore, we're going to follow God, or we're going to follow God, we're going to follow God. But guess what? Time goes by, and they didn't do it. And so I find this so interesting here that they swear this covenant. And then in verse 27, And Joshua said to all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness to us. For it has heard all the words of the Lord which he spoke to us. It shall therefore be a witness to you, lest you deny your God. So Joshua let the people depart, each to his own inheritance. So a covenant is when we connect our heart to God. And covenant secures the promise of God. You know, Pastor Cole touched, touched on something a couple of weeks ago. Sometimes the first thing people do when they get the blessing of the promise that they're believing for is just abandon God altogether. I can't tell you how many times we've had people, they come to church and say, my marriage is falling apart, my business is falling apart, and they come and God blesses them and he restores them. And then the next thing you know, you got your money and your marriage and then now you run off to Tahiti. 
You called it Tahiti? You you didn't even send us an email. How did we know? Right? And so that's just human nature. We're not making villains out of people. It's just human nature. It's what we do when we fall short. But a covenant secures a promise. A good thing for you to do when you make a, when you find yourself living in God's promise is to remind yourself that it was God who has done this for me. And so, God, I got to stay connected to you. It don't matter how big I get. It don't matter how much money I make. It doesn't matter how good my marriage is. It doesn't matter how, how big or how great things are. I have to stay connected to God because it's one thing to obtain it, another thing to keep it. <clears throat> and so here's something that's interesting to me is that Joshua takes a rock and he says, this rock heard everything that God has said and everything that you had said. And this rock is going to be a witness that we're forever connected to God. The people broke their word. But let me tell you who didn't. There was a man named Jesus who he came to keep up his end of the deal. The significance of his life for ours is that we turned our back on him and he gave his life anyway. I come to remind somebody today that God keeps his word even when you don't. God is good even when we are not. God is faithful even when we are not. When we allow death, compromise of any kind, what does God do? He still shows up and says, I'm bringing life today because he is who he is. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so here's the encouragement that you and I have. This comes from the book of Peter. So I'm just going to pull a, a small excerpt here. This is from 1 Peter. By which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them we all may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Here's our promise today, is that Jesus has come to fulfill the covenant. He has come to make a way so that now we are a Joshua generation that we don't break bend or compromise because we have his new life within us to help us carry it out 2 Peter 3 and 9 says this the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises as some count slowness but he's patient toward us not wishing that anyone should perish but that we should all find repentance here's what that means is God's not going to give you your way too fast you don't give a 16-year-old the keys to a brand-new Porsche because what's he going to do? He's going to wrap that thing around something trying to get somebody's attention. And so a wise father says, you can have my Porsche one day when I pass, but I'm not going to give you the keys until you demonstrate you can be faithful with your Toyota. And so God is looking down from heaven saying, I got all the blessing you can handle, but I'm not going to give you something that's going to wreck your life. Because why? He wants us to be connected to him. I want to remind somebody today, God's not withholding from you. He is processing you, though. 
That's good preaching right there. And so you need to go home and look in the mirror and say, I'm not failing, I'm just growing. God hasn't said no. He's saying yes, 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 yes every day. And what do I keep saying? Yes, Lord, change me in here. Yes, Lord, make me ready. Yes, Lord, prepare me for everything that you have for me. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes. And we walk and grow together with him. And so 2 Corinthians chapter 1 says this, that whatever God has, this is the message translation, whatever God has promised gets stamped with the yes of Jesus. Can I just stop right there? His blood is proof that we can and will have everything that Father God has promised us. Because in him, speaking of Jesus, this is what we preach and pray. The great amen or the great so be it. God's yes and our yes together gloriously evident. God affirms us, making us a sure thing in Christ Jesus, putting his yes within us by his spirit. And he has stamped us with his eternal pledge a sure beginning of what he is desired to complete. Jesus' cross and his blood poured out is a sign to you and to me that God's committed. God's all in. His answer to us is yes and amen. And so some of you may be wondering, is it God's will that I be healed? Well, let's look at the blood of Jesus. The answer is yes. Is it God's will that I be blessed and satisfied? Well, let's look at the blood of Jesus. <gasps> yes. The answer is yes. Is it God's will that my marriage be like a garden that I get to take a lovely stroll in every day? Let's look at the blood of Jesus. <clears throat> yes. Is it God's will that my babies will serve God? Uh, yes. Because his sacrifice and his blood is proof positive that God is saying to every one of us, yes and amen. Now, let me just take it a bit deeper. Is it God's will? Does God want me to love Republicans? Well, let's look at the blood of Jesus. Yes, you have to love them Republicans. You mean to tell me I got to love them Democrats? I'm just going to take a little detour since it's my birthday. It chaps my hide when it says, I love them people, but I just can't agree right here. What's your agreeing got to do with love? Because I'm pretty sure that when Christ went to his cross, he did so with his mouth closed. And he said, I'm not going to argue with you. I'm not going to debate with you. He actually did debate with Pontius Pilate. And finally, Pilate, give up. He'd been outsmarted by Jesus. And he said, well, what is truth? And Jesus said, well, what is truth? You know what truth is, Pontius Pilate? Let me show you what's true. I love you enough, Mr. Roman man, that I will give my life for you. That is what is true. I come to tell somebody today, am I supposed to love them because of how they vote? Yes. Yes. What about what they said on Facebook? Yes. 
you're supposed to love them. Do I love the big, powerful, rich CEO man that takes a huge bonus and doesn't give his employees Christmas bonuses? Yes. 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 I got to love the people throwing bricks? Yes. Yes. I have to love the whoever that took advantage of my children? Yes. Why? Because his blood is screaming yes and amen. You mean to tell me we can live in a world that can know peace? Yes. Jordan, there's bombs and bullets flying all over the world. His blood is saying yes and amen to peace. You mean to tell me a world that looks like it's tearing itself apart is worth saving? Can it be saved? Yes and amen. Make sure you join me next week because we're going to go down that rabbit trail just a little bit further talking about the gift. Now you stay seated. Here's all I need you to do. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Lord, I pray over this congregation. Lord, over each person that's here today. And Lord, I pray over them what your blood has promised. Yes and amen. Yes and amen. I don't know what you may be believing for, but that's a perfect spot for you to say, Lord, I receive. Yes and amen. Can I be forgiven? Can I be washed clean? Can I have a new beginning? Yes and amen. Yes and amen. Can this Christmas be better than the last ones? Yes. And amen. Yes. And amen. If you believe in God for a promise, you can say it so softly under your breath. But you give the Lord your yes and say, Yes, Lord, I know that you can do it. I know that you will do it. I know that you have done it. Yes, Lord. Yes. And amen. Now, I wonder if you here in Oklahoma City will help me do something. I want to take just a moment and I want to pray for our friends and family online today. Can you all help me do that? Would you mind? to help me lift up our brothers and sisters that are all over the place because we're believing that the yes and amen of God is not just here in Oklahoma City but it's for every place on the planet does that feel okay? if you're watching us online it's really quiet right here in Oklahoma City because God is in our midst but this congregation is about to help me pray right here and we just want to lift you up wherever you are no matter what you be, may be facing, no matter what you may be going through, you may be facing things that we don't understand or comprehend. But we do know Jesus, and we know what his word says.
and that his promise over you is yes and amen. So church, help me pray right here. Lord, we say yes and amen all around the world this morning. Lord, to those that are contending and to those that are believing for the promises of God, those that are standing their ground, those that are testifying daily, believing that God is coming through for them, we give our yes and our amen with them by faith. And so we speak over you, friends and family, that you're healed and you're whole, that you're saved and that you were redeemed and that you have been forgiven, that you have been made clean and clear of anything sticking to you or any residue that's on your life. God is making you clean and clear. We're believing that you're going to experience breakthrough that you've never seen before, new opportunity that you've never seen before, and that new creation is happening wherever you live. We pray it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen and amen. Now, I need to do one final thing before we go home today. We've got some new family that's joining our church today. And so if you're graduating from Connect Track, would you mind to just wave at me and then work your way down here? We just want to pray a very quick prayer with you. Any of my Connect Track family, y'all come on down here. We're not going to shine a spotlight on you, but we are going to love on you. We want you in the middle so we can all look at you. Okay, church, these are our newest friends and family that they're joining with us in covenant. They have said that they believe that God is planning them here for this time and for this season. And so here's what we want to say to all of you. Y'all turn around and look at me right here. Here's what we want to say to all of you is thank you for following the voice of the Lord. Our prayer and our desire is that God be with you and walk with you and that you'll put down roots deep so that you can know and experience everything that he has for you. And I'm speaking on behalf of this congregation behind you. Our commitment to you is that we want to love you and cherish you and walk with you. We won't be perfect but we will be with you. And so our commitment is we don't, want you, we don't want you to experience being alone or being abandoned. And so as you're joining with us today, we're believing that God is knitting our hearts together and that we'll be joined in common cause together. So if it's okay, I want to pray over you, and this congregation is going to help me pray over you. Is that okay? So y'all just bow your heads and lift your hands. Nothing weird, nothing kooky, but just help me pray, church. Y'all extend your hands this way to these precious lives that are joining our family today. Lord, we call them blessed in Jesus' name. They're the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. They're healed in their soul and healed in their body because there's no part of us that Jesus can't redeem or restore. Lord, we call them beautiful that they've been made according to your design and according to your hand. Lord, we call out of them the purposes of God that you have hidden in them like treasure for this time and for this season. And so, Lord, we call out of them everything that you have made them to be. And and we give our answer to what you're asking them to do, Lord. And as a congregation, we say yes to what you're asking them to do. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' mighty name.
Amen and amen and amen. Gay Church, help me say hello to our new family this morning. We love you guys. Y'all can be seated. Y'all can stay standing. They can be seated. Holly and I love you. The team here loves you. God loves you. And there's nothing you can do about it. Don't forget that. We're decorating. Uh, don't forget to grab a Christmas tree cake. I don't like to decorate Christmas trees, but I like to decorate the inside of my belly with Christmas tree cakes. So we love you. God loves you. Go and be blessed. Gate Church family, we are so excited that you chose to spend some time with us this Sunday, hoping that you have just really enjoyed the series that Pastor Jordan is in now. And today he walked us through the promises and the people. So we just are really, really excited about this series. And so over the next week, make sure that you take a moment to read through Joshua chapter 23 and chapter 24, and just remember God's promises and his provision for each and every one of us. Pastor Jordan uh, shared with us today that one of the ways that we can stay in God's promises is just to testify. And that is just simply to tell the story of what God has done in your life. So whether you are amongst friends, whether you're with your family, once you take a moment and read through Joshua 23 and 24 this week, be sure, think about, reminisce, and reflect on the promises that God has kept for you and for your family, and be sure to testify about those. We also want to make sure that you take a moment just to commit to God, come into covenant. Pastor Jordan shared with us today that covenant secures the promise, so we want to make sure that you commit to God, that you are secure in the promises of God this week. As we end today, I just want to remind you that the worship guide is the way that you will find out what is happening here at the gate. So make sure you go to the worship guide and you can see any of the upcoming events that are there. Now, if you prayed a prayer today of salvation, make sure that you make a comment in the, whatever social media you're joining us on. Just make a comment there because we want to know that you accepted the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as your Savior today. Let's end today's service with just a moment of prayer. God, we thank you just simply for who you are. We thank you that you sit at the beginning of time and that you see the end, God. And we thank you that we've come to know you as a promise keeper. So God, I thank you for every promise that you've given to us, God. I thank you that we will walk through our lives being sure to give you all praise and glory and honor. I pray that our homes this week would just become homes of prayer, homes of peace, and homes of power, God. I bless you and I praise you for every promise that is fulfilled right now, Father. We just give you honor just simply for who you are. As we go throughout this week, let everything that we do bring glory and honor to you. I thank you for this time of Thanksgiving, Father, and it's just a time that we can come together and be grateful for everything that you continue to do in our lives. This prayer is prayed in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Go throughout your day. Have a great week.